Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques, and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome to episode 1612, 1612. Thank you for joining me today. And guess what I did yesterday? Yes, I did something that I have not done in 10 months since I went to visit our guest today in Medellin, Colombia. That's the last time I was doing this. What was I doing? I was on an airplane. <laughs> Yes, it's kind of a record because uh, very much used to being on a plane two or three times a month. And yesterday was the first time in 10 months, which has been kind of nice. I think you have to admit that there have been some benefits that have come out of this whole pandemic, right? There have, there certainly have, but it is a mixed bag for sure. So if you haven't been to an airport lately, I just thought before we get into some real estate and economic stuff, I would give you a little update. Flying commercial on an airline, a normal airline nowadays, is like flying private for one sixtieth, yes, one sixtieth the cost. That's about the difference. And there's no lines, there's no hassles, there's no people. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. You just breeze right onto the plane, I might do this more often. I might start flying again because uh, it was so easy. But the thing I have noticed in going through two airports yesterday and coming to the hotel resort where I am having a meeting here the next three days is, wow, really just firsthand view of the absolute economic devastation the economic devastation that is occurring. Wow. You know, it's one thing to talk about things, being a professor in an ivy, ivory tower. That's not me, of course. I'm not that. But, you know, to see something firsthand is to really understand it. And that is the problem with so many of these fake real estate gurus out there. <laughs> That's the problem with so many uh, college professors in their ivory tower. That was the metaphor I was giving you a moment ago. And it's the problem with so many people making policies in government. They just don't know. They don't have the personal experience. It's the same kind of hypocrisy that comes from Tim Cook at Apple. Yeah, I'm calling him out. I used to be a fan. But after George Floyd, I just thought he was a massive hypocrite. So uh, that's neither here nor there. But it's one thing to be there, to see it, to know it, to understand it. It's quite another to spout out ideas, policies, whatever. And, and that's the problem with our university system. Brainwashing students 
And these people, they just have no experience and no real understanding. So I must say, I was a little bit detached from it, sitting at home, reading articles, of course, talking to people, interviewing guests, less detached than most. But yesterday, going to the airport, it just hit me like a brick wall. Really amazing, really amazing, and really uh, concerning at the same time. However, I am at a conference with a bunch of real estate people. And let me tell you something, they are all incredibly bullish. All of the investors in this room, there are about 150 of us here. I'll tell you more about it later. I mean, it's just the first day of this meeting, but very, very bullish people are doing lots and lots of business. And it's been a it's been a pretty good year for us too, I must say. And I know it's a pretty good year for all of you who are investing with us because we are keeping track of what you're doing and we see that you're getting some good deals and you are uh, all pretty darn bullish about buying more and more properties. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's warranted given what's going on. And you're positioning yourself correctly in terms of uh, the migration trends in one of the most famous people in the world, one of the most famous people in the world just did this too. Yes. Who was that? Well, you may have noticed in the news that this extremely famous person put a bunch of his expensive properties on the market. And many of those properties were scattered around the Socialist Republic of California, my home state, and, well, my former home. And he announced that he moved to Texas. Yes, he he changed his residency to Texas. And that was none other than Elon Musk. Elon Musk joins California Exodus, the article in RT says, moves his personal residence to Texas after clashing with Sacramento, meaning the state capital, the government in California, over COVID-19 restrictions. And folks, this is just, it's like we live in, I, I don't think it'll come as any surprise for me to say this, but we live in a divided country. But it's really like we live in two or three countries if we're in the United States nowadays. And I can't speak to how that is in other countries, but in terms of how it is here, we have, uh, of course, people of different socioeconomic strata. We have people with different geographic strata who are having completely, completely different life experiences all at the same time. We also have a situation where we have people in different types of occupations, not necessarily different socioeconomic stratification, but uh, they might be at the lower or higher or middle end of the spectrum, whatever it is, but they're having completely different experiences of this whole thing. We have people not just based on the state they're in or the city they're in, but whether they're living in a high rise in a downtown area in an urban environment and they're experiencing riots and broken glass storefronts, fires, or uh, they're living in suburbia and they see this stuff on the news, they see it on online, but they're not experiencing any of it. 
So it is a very, very weird situation we are facing right now. And I guess I probably don't have to tell you that. But in terms of what we're talking about with part two of George Gammon today, I, <laughs> I thought this was pretty interesting because this article, also from RT, says, not a conspiracy theory, Alberta Premier Kenny issues dire warning about impending Great Reset. That's, of course, Alberta, Canada. This Great Reset thing is uh, its pretty interesting. Now, whether it's dire, who it's dire for, that all remains to be seen. But I don't think there's too much question in terms of the powers that be and what they are, they are planning. You know, it's, it's not a conspiracy theory when on the World Economic Forum's website, they are talking about it. And you see the videos all over being, being shared online. So uh, uh, really, you know, just, just absolutely quite amazing. Also, one of the things that I uh, have been thinking about, and I'd love to get your feedback on this. So feel free to, if you're already talking with one of our team members, feel free to just share your thoughts with them if you would like this or you know what you think about it. But also, if you're not engaged with us already, just go to jasonhartman.com slash ask and leave a comment, question. Tell us what you think about anything and everything, the show, the content, what you'd like to hear, what you'd like to see on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. But here's the one I wanted to run by you, okay? Let's brainstorm here, folks. Let's brainstorm. I appreciate you helping me with that brainstorming. So, The brainstorm is, and this is something I've been thinking about for quite a while, whenever I go to these uh, real estate investor conferences, and I am just approached by so many people that have this offer and that offer, Uh, some have courses, some have software, some have uh, programs and this and that and the other thing. Anyway, You probably see all this stuff out there in the marketplace, of course, right? Yes, you do. Say yes. Nod your head. So what I'm thinking about is it is really hard, especially for someone who's not in the business, to sort of vet these offers, to wade through these offers. Um, One of the magazines I really like, and I, I rarely read it in paper magazine form anymore, but I do get it on my Kindle because I'm a subscriber, a paying subscriber, is Consumer Reports. And I just purchased a new car, as I mentioned before, and uh, I really looked at the Consumer Reports uh, recommendations and so forth. And, you know, they're not necessarily always in line with what I'm thinking or looking for, but it is a good, uh, you know, that's an honest company, Consumer Reports. I, I view them as a pretty credible company. So why isn't there a Consumer Reports for investment opportunities or uh, real estate guru opportunities, real estate software? Why isn't there someone to help you vet that? So I've been thinking about creating this for quite a while, and I think I'm going to do that. Basically, sit in with all of you, potentially, who are interested, and look at webinars and analyze them and see if they're a fit, hear pitches and see if they're fit, you know, for who they might fit, for who they wouldn't fit. And uh, since I know a lot of these people, I have, of course, my opinions. Imagine that. Jason Hartman with an opinion. (laughs) No, I never have an opinion. (laughs) 
right. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I have all my opinions about who's credible, who's a scoundrel, et cetera, et cetera, and, and can weigh in on that and, you know, vet offers before, you know, before you even have to hear them. But this would be particularly geared toward more active investors, you know, people that are wanting to go out and chase down deals and uh, fix up houses and approach sellers for wholesale contracts, all this kind of stuff. You know, they want, they want tools and software to analyze uh, doing a flip uh, or whatever it is. There's, there's, a, you know, there's a million things out there, as we all know. So uh, let us know what you think about that. But I think I'm going to launch a little something like this and invite you all to it. Or how would, how would Adam or any of our Southern friends say y'all? Yeah, y'all. I've always wondered how to spell that word, y'all. How do you spell that? Go to jasonartman.com slash ask and let us know about any of that. So before we get to George, I want to remind you, and I know that a couple of you checked this out just yesterday and signed up. If you are interested in our funding course, Go check that out at jasonhartman.com slash fund. We got a bunch of feedback on that uh, from those of you who signed up. And the consensus, uh, broadly speaking, seemed to be that right away, all of you got about thirty dollars to $40,000 worth of interest-free funding very quickly, right out of the gate. And then you're getting more a few months later. And this is up to $250,000 in funding to buy properties or to start a business or you can use it however you want. And it's interest-free for a pretty long period of time. So uh, all you need to do is make sure you manage that time frame and pay back before the interest hits. And it's a pretty good deal. Of course, there are many details. You need to hear the, hear the web class for that. But that is at jasonhartman.com slash fund. And by the way, our attorney who teaches our asset protection web class is here at the conference with me. And I was just talking to him a few minutes ago. And of course, you can find his estate planning and asset protection uh, course at uh, jasonhartman.com slash protect. jasonhartman.com slash protect. Okay, let's get to George part two from yesterday and enjoy this as we uh, talk about the great reset the repo market, and a variety of other uh, things going on in the economy. Here we go. All right, they tried to borrow our price discovery. Right. So so that I would understand that that's the big problem for, or the big hurdle that is between me and us achieving our objectives. Okay, so if you and I are thinking about how to solve that problem, what I would say is first and foremost, we need all of the data that's produced just normally by a free market capitalist economy. Mm -hmm. Meaning that we need all the data that the individuals in the economy have making the transactions that they make for themselves and their family on their needs and wants on a daily basis. That's, That's billions and billions and billions of transactions and decisions. That's why a tops-down approach doesn't work because they're just not that smart. There's no group of humans that can possibly have that much data. And even if they did have it, they couldn't uh, make any sense of it, right? And so I understand that's the problem. So what I would do is I would have a central bank digital currency. 
So why is that? In order to implement a central bank digital currency, we would all need to have an account with the central governing body. So whether it's the Fed, whether it's the Treasury, fill in the blank, we would all have to have an account just like we have an account with called Wells Fargo or, or, or Bank of America. So that would be every American and every business. So now all of a sudden, every single transaction is going into a database. Into They can, they the, can figure the, it all out. Wow. Well, they can figure it out when they combine it with artificial intelligence that can self-learn. And you combine that with when you're not only, when you combine that with the fact that you're not only getting the transaction history, but you're getting the thoughts, see, of every single person in the entire uh, economy in real time. And then you could, I think, if you and I are these central planners that are somehow benevolent, we would say, aha, that's it. That's it. That's going to solve the problem of price discovery. And it's going to do it even better than the capitalist system because the capitalist, the free market capitalist system relied on human beings. We're going to rely on artificial intelligence. And And, that is what's guess guess who they'll be. By the way, guess who the elites will be in business with on this Google, (laughs) the company that their stated goal was to organize the world's information. Right. And Google will get all sorts of government favoritism because they'll be in partnership with the government and the central planners there. It's the perfect company to do all this. Yeah. So I I think that's how if at least. And again, Klaus and, and Bigglesworth and everything, they haven't explicitly talked about that plan. You just have to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle right. together by reading everything else. But my point with that is to say that if if I was trying, if they came to me and said, George, well, I'd probably give him the bird first and foremost, but assuming that, that I had, I tried to think that through on a whiteboard. If, if I was in their position, how would I get the job done? Mm-hmm. That's exactly, that's how I'd do it. Yeah. Yeah, and interesting. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the coming digital currency. We'll, we'll call it the digital dollar, uh, but you know, some call it FedCoin. You know, what, whatever it's called, it doesn't matter. But we're definitely moving toward a digital currency. One hundred percent. Yeah, and certainly China is doing that too. And I've always said the one that's going to win the game is the one that's backed by governments and central banks, namely the U.S. government and the U.S. central bank, the Federal Reserve, because they have standing armies. You know, Bitcoin and Ethereum don't have standing armies. So, you know, they they can't force people to use it, right? Which, you know, that's all another discussion we don't have to get into. But, but the thing is, this offers the central planners such a handy tool, doesn't it? Because think about it. If they want to create inflation or deflation, you know, they can um, put the money, you'll, you'll be dependent on government for some sort of handout, right? Most people will, most people are already. And, you know, or it'll be, maybe it won't be like a direct handout, but it'll be like a tax credit. If you're a, a more successful person, it'll be some kind of tax benefit. And guess what? You'll get it on your, on your phone, right? right. When you get that, they could, like a gift card, they could engineer the heck out of it. They could make that money expire. Right. They could say, you've got to spend it within 30 or 90 days, thus increasing the velocity of money, which could certainly create inflation, right? And, and let me just interject one thing. Remember, they're, they're getting all of your vital signs as well. 
So, and, and obviously they would be providing healthcare. So not, not, it, not just that there, you know what you didn't say at the beginning when you talked about all this tracking, right? This is, you know, this originally came with the quantified self movement, right? But now it's going to go to the next, you know, scary step, right? But they're also going to be analyzing what goes in your toilet. You know, that's, that's part of your healthcare is, you know, what, what's coming out, right? <laughs> well, yeah, the, the bottom Super line scary. is, yeah, the bottom line is, is they're analyzing, let's say, what makes up your healthcare? Well, this, <laughs> I don't want to go into the, the toilet thing, but let's just say they're getting all of the data necessary. So then what happens is they say, this is all going to the cloud. So they could say, they could restrict your spending, right? Jason, your blood sugar level has been a little too high right. over these last uh, couple of weeks. So therefore, the next time you go down to Krispy Kreme, your, your Fed coins don't work. Right. Or they don't work there. They can engineer where they work and where they don't work, right? Correct. That's what I'm saying. So whenever you would try to buy some sort of product that would have, let's say, sugar or something that would be bad for your health, that might make you a higher risk for the overall healthcare system. See, they, they would cut you off from that spending. And why are they doing it? They're doing it for the greater good, Jason. Yeah, I know. It's, it's always for our protection, isn't it, George? So then the next question as, as investors and, and real estate investors more specifically is, okay, first and foremost, what are the probabilities of this coming to fruition? Because obviously there are no certainties. This is not 100%. This is not something that you lose sleep over. This is something just to understand that this is their, their objective. And then you got to figure out, okay, what's the probability of this coming to fruition? Most people would, would kind of dismiss it, but I would remind those people that Jerome Powell himself the head of our Federal Reserve has been talking, and you can just look it up on YouTube, has been talking about central bank digital currencies. So what uh, Jason and I are talking about isn't too far-fetched. And no. then you say, well, that'll never happen in the United States. Okay, whoever has that rebuttal, I would challenge you to go through the thought of experiment of going back to 2019 and hearing Jason and I talk about the United States going into a full lockdown where they would not allow you out of your house. They wouldn't allow you to open your own business. They wouldn't allow you to walk on the beach or walk your dog. And if you, then if they did allow you, they would force you to wear a mask indoors, if not outdoors. What would people be saying back then in 2019? They'd be saying the exact same thing. Oh, that'll never happen in the United States. Never that, happen. Never happen. Never happen. <laughs> yeah, it'll never happen in a country with 300 million guns. Yeah. Not, not in my country. Also, too, and I don't want to be too harsh on these people, but you hear it all the time in the comments. You know, to a certain degree, I feel the same, and I feel uh, you know a lot of sympathy and empathy for these people. But they'll say, you know, that'll never happen here because they'll get my lead before they'll get my gold, or they'll get my lead before they'll get my freedom. In other words, the lead bullet. Yeah, I got it. That's right. That's right. Meaning we will go to a civil war. The the, the people in Texas and the good old boys and the people living out in the country with their guns, they will revolt and they will you know go back to you know, the revolutionary days where, where they'll come up and revolt against the government. But how many people did that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. None that I know of. I, I didn't see any on the news. How many people Here, revolted against the lockdowns? None. By the way, by the way, George, here's the formula for that. You know, the powers that be want to keep people just comfortable enough 
and you know have their standard of living just high enough so they won't take to the streets so they won't revolt it's basically you know what what they all do they want to just keep it good enough so it's it's not so bad that everybody just you know they just take over and there's a coup right yeah what you'll notice is people really don't revolt until they don't revolt over a decrease in their freedom very rarely very rarely what they do is they revolt when they can't put food on the table. Right. That's usually, if you look at history, that's the catalyst is when people can't put food on the table, that's when they grab the pitchforks and the, the guns, if you will. But it's, it's, it's not when they lose their freedom. Yeah, that's uh, pretty scary. Now, I want to mention something. I just tweeted about this, but global food prices are way up. Okay. Global food prices just hit a six year high. Okay, so who says there's no inflation, right? Yeah, I'm just going back in my head. I wish we were like the early Americans where we actually would revolt when the government's increased our taxes and our freedom. But I, that's a whole that's a whole other uh, yeah. story. Yeah. So we're definitely seeing consumer price inflation, which goes back to what you were what we're talking about with the Great Reset, because if they were able to achieve their objectives, let's just say uh, climate change and being off of uh fossil fuels in the next uh, three years, or even by uh, 2030. Now, I'm not going to debate whether that's good or bad uh, for the environment. Obviously, I think it would be good for the environment. And I like clean air just as much as anyone else. So it's not like I want to go around rolling coal with these big diesel trucks and just trying to create as much <laughs> chaos for the environment as I can. I'm Nobody not, wants I'm, that. But the, the yeah, I'm, I'm not. Is, I, I like clean air. I like going outside more than anybody. But the bottom line is you eat, and I understand that electricity is being created more efficiently and it can be potentially created at a profit, but it's not as dense. And they're at no time in history have we have, have human beings gone from a high density source of energy to a lower density? So, um, and, so and let me let me just let me just expand on that a little bit. I, I read a book on this about two or three years ago, and it's got a funny long title like "Bigger, Faster, Cheaper" or some some something like that, and it was fascinating because you know it talked about electricity as energy and it basically you know compared all these sources it said look the two energy densest things are, are you know number one is the atom right you know in, in splitting the atom or fusing the atom and then the other one is petroleum it's oil it's right. gas right and then after that you go way down the list and you look at like solar and wind there's just not or battery storage for it there's just not enough density you know based on weight and cost of of result out of those things they're just not yeah. that efficient the best yeah, and, to produce and, power is nuclear there's no question about it it's the safest yeah and people may have an argument that well we have to do it or else we won't have a planet in 50 years right and i would say to that argument that okay that that's fine if you believe that but what you have to understand is there is no chance that we maintain our current standard of living if you want to move to green energy, you know, 100% within five years. There, there, there's and, no chance. And the green energy, by the way, is largely a myth. The environmental sins that are created 
in the production of solar panels and covering up land with solar panels and windmills, those bird guillotines, the amount of materials that goes into those windmills and the solar panels is insane. The sins created, the environmental sins created in building those things are unbelievable. They really are unbelievable. You know Art Berman is? Uh, Art Berman? Yeah, he's a geologist. I've heard the name, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's been one of the, the most prominent geologists in the United States for decades. And uh, I interview him on my show periodically. Great guy. But he walked me through how much petroleum is used to put a solar panel on someone's house in California. And I mean, it is staggering because it's like, you, okay, you let's can't make start. this stuff up. It's the most illogical thing ever, but you can't get a leftist to hear it. They just, yeah, but he, he, and he starts right at the mining process. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, what do you need in the solar panel? You need bam, 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 bam. Okay. Where's that mine? Most likely South America. Okay. How is that yeah. mine? That's mined with yeah. diesel engines. Okay. Well then what happens once you mine it? Great. Now it's sent to China to be manufactured into different components. Okay, great. How does it get to China on a giant ship that uses massive amounts of diesel? And then you go down that process. But but wait, there's more. And when you talk about batteries and all the materials that go into batteries, it's basically slave, child slave labor in Africa, mining the materials that make batteries that go into Teslas. Okay, so there you go. The whole point, it goes back to, Dr. Thomas Sowell, who's, I think, probably your, maybe your favorite. I, I interviewed him. He was fantastic. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, the, and there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. Yeah. And then we have to understand that with, with green energy, it, it's not a solution. It's a trade-off, yeah. just like petroleum. So the trade-off would be that our standard of living would, would plummet. And I'm talking about, and I talked to Art Berman because he's, you know, this are kind of his words, not mine. I'm regurgitating a lot of what uh, he said in our conversations. I said, okay, well, what does that mean? Uh, he says, well, basically the standard of living in the United States would probably go back down to where it was maybe in the 1940s, something like that. You know, we wouldn't be living in caves or anything, but probably like the 1940s. So if that's something that you're okay with, then fine, maybe, maybe let's have a discussion. But the people that want to move in that direction, they assume that we're going to move in that direction without having to take a step down. And that's just completely unrealistic. And then you have to ask yourself if that is fair to developing uh, economies such as Colombia, because there's no better way to increase product uh, economic productivity faster than with the highest density energy source possible. So if you came in and said, okay, Colombia or, um, you know, Tanzania in Africa or something like that, you know, okay, no more petroleum products. All right. Well, now you're basically saying that we're locking you, your economy as it is right now, we're, we're going to bring it down a few, not like several notches lower than it already is. And we're, we're going to keep you there for a long, long time. And you're not going to get back up to even where you were for the next 10 or 20 years. So basically what that's doing, it's, it's almost like the a giant corporation kind of creating a monopoly. But in this case, it's just a country and they're doing so by lowering their standard of living, but at the same time, lowering the standard of living of the rest of the world, which puts them into a position where they're the only ones that are able to provide goods and services. Think of World War II, the end of World War II. You know, one of the reasons why our economy boomed is because we were the last one standing. 
So you, you have to put that in the My whole point in going over this though is that if if you move in that direction, it's not just with the green energy. If you if you look at the majority of what they're outlining with the central planning, it's a destruction of the supply chains in, in the, the global supply chains. And it's going to be a reduction in the amount of goods and services the economy produces. Okay. And by definition, the amount of goods and services an economy produces is, is its wealth. Yeah. Right? It's, it's not the currency units we produce. It's not the sure. gold we produce. It's the amount of stuff. That we currency is, is fake news. It's a, me- it's a way to measure. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's just a measurement. So right. anyway, if you reduce the amount of stuff that we have, but you don't reduce the amount of, let's say, units, currency units, money, whatever you want to call it, that's chasing the stuff, you're going to have the, the, the price of that stuff denominated in whatever currency you're using go up and go up significantly. So that's where you get into this long-term view that I have of uh, stagflation, where you have high unemployment because they're crushing supply chains. Now, you, you may have like an MMT type thing where they have like a jobs guarantee program. So official unemployment would be like 2%. But if you X out all the BS government jobs, the productive, if you just look at the productive jobs, you know, unemployment's at like 30 or 40%. In fact, you know, that's a funny thing that most people, they, they don't uh, realize. And I don't know if, if I even told you this, but I was doing some homework for a whiteboard video one time on how bogus the unemployment rate is, yeah. just like the CPI. Sure. And I went back and looked at how they measured unemployment during the Great Depression to see if, if you know, if, if we're getting close to that now with, you know, when we were back in March or April. And what I found it fascinating is that many prominent economists, when they measured the rate of inflation, or excuse me, the, the rate of unemployment, they would subtract government jobs oh. because in their view, they didn't produce 20, anything. 20% of the economy right there. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Government spending is up to 57% of the economy. Oh, I was saying jobs. I think federal government jobs, right? Somewhere oh, around 20%. Yeah. Maybe three years ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah. now that we're the, the government spending is 57% of the economy, I, I would... And I haven't looked at the numbers, but do, I would. Do you count, by the way, in a, in a 57% number, George, and, and by the way, we do need to be conscious of time and wrap it up here soon, but we'll do more, of course. But do they count in that crazy, insane number you just mentioned? Is that including Federal Reserve as the world's biggest hedge fund? <laughs> that, that's what I call them. The, the Federal Reserve is now the world's biggest investor and the world's biggest hedge fund. Yeah, yeah. For, well, that's for sure. Well, I don't know how they calculate. I don't think they would calculate that. I don't know. That, that's a good question. But what, how I'm getting to that number is prior to the Cerveza sickness, the government spending, if you look at total government, not federal, but you got to look at the local government spending as well, is about 40% of GDP. And then you look at the $5 trillion deficit and the reduction of nominal GDP this year, or even if we're flat, and that takes the number somewhere close to 57%. So then you have to ask the question is, okay, well, what's 100% government spending? That's communist Russia. So as we get closer and closer to 100%, by definition, we're getting closer and closer to all out, uh, all out communism or socialism, whatever you want to label it. Wow. Yeah, it's something else. It's something else. George, we've talked about a lot of stuff today. 
wrap this up for us. Give us any financial suggestions you have for investing and such. Own a little gold. Might want to own a little Bitcoin. Definitely, definitely have a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. Yeah. I think that's yeah, the easiest. <laughs> and, and then be aware of what's going on. I think a lot of people are whistling by the graveyard, so to speak. And I'm not saying lose sleep over this. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm not. There are no certainties. There are only probabilities. I always say that over and over and over and over again because that's right. so hard. Because people tend to think in black and white terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just try to be cognizant of this and start, you know, thinking through the probabilities. And then maybe adjusting your personal situation or your portfolio accordingly, mm-hmm. maybe with the, the, the baseline of what we just talked about. And if you are an American or in any person in a developed world, for heaven's sakes, make sure you've got a passport. I mean, there is no downside to having a passport at all. And if you got one, think about getting another one because regardless of how much gold you have or how much Bitcoin, that's, it's not a panacea because if you can't get out of your government, uh, control the government, that Bitcoin isn't going to do you any good. The gold isn't going to do you any good. If you were in the middle of Venezuela right now and you couldn't get out, it doesn't matter how much Bitcoin or gold you have, your life would still be absolutely miserable. So you've got to have that, that plan B. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, George, uh, thank you so much. Uh, give out your website or do you want to just tell people to go check out your YouTube channel? Or Yeah, they can just go to the YouTube channel. You can just Google George Gammon. My last name is spelled G-A-M-M-O-N and everything will come up. Uh, Twitter, my YouTube channel, my website, you name it, it's all right there. Even my podcast, The Rebel Capitalist Show. Good stuff. Well, George Gammon, it's always great to talk to you, buddy. And uh, we'll have you back in the near future. And uh, there's a lot more to talk about with all of this stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty big stuff. So we'll have you back to talk about it more later. Thanks awesome. Again. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, HartmanMedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own. And if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.